This is what it's all about. That's basketball right now, right here. That's basketball. You know, playing at home, great game, two great team. House was packed. I mean, that was amazing. I miss that. We all missed it. And it's so cool to have those guys in the stand and to play. That's basketball. I mean, that's why we played this game. And that was really, really cool. Triple Zero is the anti-hot take sports show. I am your host, Josh Buckhalter. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com. Email address is clockersports at gmail.com. And of course, follow the show handles as well at 30spod, the number three zeros pod. That voice you heard was Nicholas Batum uh, speaking on the level of play in the uh, game six matchup between the Clippers and the Utah Jazz uh, in which the Utah Jazz got sent home. Uh, by a depleted uh, Clippers roster that didn't have its best player. But we'll talk about that in a second. We've got a lot of other games to get into because uh, there were actually two game sixes on Thursday and uh, or I'm sorry, on Friday, rather. Uh, remember, this is a late post, by the way. Um, and, and one of the reasons why I hate recording late is because everything just seems to get snowball. I'm all thrown off and I do my recording and this, that and the third. So uh, bear with me. I'm probably going to stumble on the date <laughs> a few times as I try to get myself back on track of of knowing that I'm recording on a Saturday um, because. Late Friday, I was still trying to figure out what was happening. I didn't want to release on Friday and have two game sixes happen because then we got two game sevens now that we could talk about uh, on Monday because we are bringing back the Monday recordings because we got to we got to bring that back. man. Can't can't keep letting all this news go by the wayside because I, I know that throughout the week I have to drop so much stuff that I really want to talk about because there's just so much happening. Anyway, the first game six on on. Friday was the Atlanta Hawks trying to close out the Philadelphia 76ers. This game was in State Farm Arena in Atlanta, uh, and the Hawks had a four-point lead at halftime, but they could not hit enough shots down the stretch. Uh, the hack a bend strategy did not work, and ultimately, they were led by Seth Curry, who was just mind uh, shooting out of his mind from outside, and Tobias Harris, who also uh, had a really good game. Both of them had 24 points. Embiid had 22 and 13. He also had eight turnovers and got boomed on uh, by John Collins. But in the end, they got the W in the last lap. Now, here's the thing about that in this Game 7. This one will be in Atlanta, or I'm sorry, will be in Philadelphia, rather. Um, and I'm pulling for the Hawks. Small announcement, I have uh, recently joined the Fan-sided brand soaring down south as the psycho expert. So I'm, I'm pulling for the Hawks, man. We're definitely trying to uh, see them get a win here. The thing that worries me is that they can't, they're playing like a young team. I'm not, I'm not trying to dog them. I'm not trying to uh, bash them in this way, shape, or form. This is just an observation. They are playing like the young team that they are. I believe they're the youngest team left in the playoffs. Uh, so it's, it's on brand, right? You kind of expect it, but it's definitely disappointing because this game was in, Within reach, they lost by five points. They won by four. A 10-point swing is nothing. We saw them overcome deficits of 18 and 26 points. And I actually wrote about that for Soaring Down South um, and five reasons why the Hawks lost game six at home. I had come into that game thinking that there was going to be improved performances by Kevin Horter and Bogdan Bogdanovich. We got half of that right. 
Porter had a really good game. 17 points, I believe. He had a bunch of rebounds. He was assisting. He was doing his thing. Uh, but Bogdanovich has just been just off. And I'm not sure if if he's – well, he's all, he's injured now. So maybe he just will get some time away and we'll see some other guys come in to play. We'll talk about them in a second. Uh, well, I'll just mention them right now. Cam Reddish and uh, maybe Tony Snell. They got, you got to fill up those minutes somehow. You need some buckets. You need some energy. You need some defense and length on the floor without DeAndre Hunter out there. So those two guys both provide that. We'll see what happens with Nate McMillan's rotations. Now, game seven. Uh, Philadelphia's got to be scarred from 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 horrifying losses in, in the past. Last year, Ben was hurt, so it didn't really count. The year before that, Kawhi dropped that nasty shot that just bounced around and fell. Oh, and B was in the cr- tunnel crying. I I don't know if I can see them losing Game Seven in Philly, but I will say that I can see the Hawks winning Game Seven in Philly. If that makes any sense, what I mean by that is I think Philly's going to play their 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 asses off. I really do. I, I think they're going to get you're going to get another good game from Seth Curry, who's shooting. Uh, 59% from three. Like, in the, in the playoffs or this round, I can't remember which one it is. I wrote it down. Uh, but insane numbers. Uh, I think you're going to get better play from MB because he didn't really have a great game. Like I said, the eight turnovers, I think he's going to dominate at home. But the Hawks, though, seem to have a little bit of... Like, John Collins only gave you seven points. You only got the six points or something like that from Bo. Like, you didn't have good stuff. You got... You got nothing from Lou Will, who were giving you 13 in the fourth quarter of the night, the, the game before. So I could see them going out and giving better effort. Um, I don't see the Hawks, or I don't see the Sixers playing poorly, though. That's the thing. So I don't know. Uh, when both of these teams are clicking, we'll see which one ends up being, uh, which one comes out on top. But I definitely could see it being either one winning. So I, I'll probably have to just go with uh, rooting for the Hawks to pull it out, man, because I like to see it. I just want to see Trey Young's been killing it. Um, the Sixers, though, in the NBA, you have to earn your way through it, and that's kind of where the Sixers are right now, where they're, they're, they're this is their chance to make it over the hump because they have a team that they should be dominating. Let's just be real. They're longer. They're they're more experienced. They're they're a little bit deeper right now because they're healthier. Only Danny Green, I believe, is out. Like Tyrese Maxey came in and killed when they had, had his all. But read the article. Five reasons why uh, the Hawks lost Game Six for soaring down south. The Clippers and the Jazz. Now, this game, uh, there's a couple of things about this game. Two narratives were changed here, or two narratives have seemed to be have seemed to prop, crop up here. One, the PG-13, way off, way off P, playoff P. Playoff P is definitely alive and in effect. Now, here's the thing about that. It was never not in effect. It just didn't look like people wanted it to look. Um, we had come to expect Paul George to be this dynamic scorer, which he is, but his game is so much more all around than that that I think we lost uh, appreciation for for that part of it. That he can do so much other, so many other things. So now you see him dropping the twenty seven, thirty points, whatever he's doing, what he's doing, and he's he's he sh- he should be shedding that narrative. But of course, there's people who are still trying to credit others: the Reggie Jacksons, Terrence Mann, who had thirty nine points uh, on Friday night. Like I get it. They had great games, but Paul George had 28. Paul George has been doing his thing uh, for the past few games. I don't know how you can keep on trying to to diminish that. And I don't like so. I just don't. I, I, as a person who bashed playoff P, right? The the moniker, not the player. I've always appreciated Paul uh, George's game. I just that moniker was a little bit uh, premature. Anyway, it's that now. And yeah, you're getting stuff off of out of Reggie Jackson and and. Terrence Mann, because the pressure's not on them. 
The pressure's on Paul George. That's the thing. That's the part about it that, that you're not appreciating, that he's actually shed the, the stigma because he's doing it under pressure. That's what you wanted. This is, are you not entertained? <laughs> are you not entertained? That's what this is. So don't be, don't be, don't be out here talking about, oh, Paul George is, is still has to show me something. If he, if he does this against you, if he does that, that's a, that's a loser's mentality to constantly be trying to find the reason to dismiss something. You're constantly trying to find a reason for it to not be valid instead of, again, appreciating what you've been seeing. Paul George has been rebounding well. He's, he's, he's been a, a, a solid defender. He hasn't been great. I'm not going to even try to act like he's, and there's been times when he's been bad. He's been better than, than we want to give him credit for. And he's had to handle the role of facilitating as, as they've gone for more. Uh, this is, I saw this written a couple of days ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Their offense shifted from being run through the point guards through to being run through PG and Kawhi, as it should be. But those two stepped up their game in being facilitators and playmakers. So that being said, um, I'm not I'm not I'm not here for all of the the. Oh, Paul George still has to do this. I don't, I'll believe it when he does this. No, he, he kind of, he kind of squashed that narrative for me. I guess that's all I could, I could really speak on. But I mean, I don't, I just don't know what else you want from somebody who, again, lost the best player on the team and then proceeded to carry his team to two wins. Two series clinching wins to reach, mind you, to reach the first conference finals in Los Angeles Clippers history. Come on, man. I got to hand it to him. I got to hand it to him. That's good stuff, man. Against and listen, you want to talk about Utah's hobble? Okay, all right. Well, Mitchell and and uh and and Mike Conley were both on the floor. Rudy Gobert was on the floor, right? The Jazz were quote unquote healthy because they were playing. I know Mitchell was was grimacing, but my man, he didn't struggle to to put up points. Let's not. We're not going to sit here and pretend like Donovan Mitchell uh didn't just drop. What was it? Thirty nine. <laughs> like we, we we can't do that. You might be hobble. He threw he dropped thirty nine. He's been killing. Like let's not do that. Let's not do that. Paul George deserves to get some kudos, some props, some flowers, whatever you want to call it, for what he's done the past couple for really the entire playoff run and not folding under the pressure. Remember, we that's listen. We could we could talk about it, the history of him in the playoffs. He has stepped up. When the intensity, the pressure level has been turned up this postseason. Appreciate that. On the other side, Donovan Mitchell has been hooping hard H. And it was brought back up in a, a, a Facebook group that I'm in. And I'm going to talk about it right now because it's one that I, it, it comes up a lot. And I actually think it's a valid discussion. But the question about Donovan Mitchell and whether or not he's a superstar. And it was it was brought up in reference to Shaq and that that awkward interview between he and Mitchell, where he said, "Oh, I don't think you're a superstar." Here's my thing about that. You want to talk about? Uh, you think that a guy isn't there yet, or you think a guy could do this to get there? When you're talking about Don Mitchell, that's fine. But when you talk about him in the sense of, well, I don't think that you can do it. I, I that that to me is is quite improper. Now, the Kenny Smith later on asked about what other ways he impacts the game. Him and Charles uh, Barkley were talking about in another segment. 
what other ways Mitchell impacts the game. Um, and I get the basic uh, basis of the question because he is a dynamic scorer and he's the, he is the offensive engine for that team. But I think the better question is, look at how this team is built and then ask yourself, what more do you want him to do? Now, you can talk about you like Joe Ingles and you like Royce O'Neal and you like uh, 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 Bojan Bogdanovic, right? I almost called him Bogdan. I had to get myself uh, corrected. I always mix those two up. You can talk about you like those guys. You're not going to sit there and tell me that those are proper second scoring options on a championship contender. You're not. I was telling you this before the playoffs started. That's why I said I didn't trust the Utah Jazz. You're not going to sit here and convince me that those are the guys should be, that should be number two. Your second best player is a one-way player. And honestly, if we're being, let's be completely 100 about it, an, an antiquated archetype. Rudy Gobert is the premier paint protector, right? If I was going to build a, a rim defender into, in the NBA, it would, be, it would look like Rudy Gobert. But you know what? The NBA is a three-point league. They don't, they don't want to have that. It's, it's, it's three points or, or at the cup. You don't want to give me that. That's fine. They, they want to take the three. You talk for all of their three-point prowess, who was getting their own buckets in the playoffs? Four straight games they lost. They didn't just lose two. They lost four straight. So, you want to talk to me about, oh, Donovan Mitchell needs to be able to do this. Donovan Mitchell just averaged 32 points, five assists, 5.5 assists, excuse me, and 4.2 boards. He averaged over a steal per game. He's only 6'1". <laughs> like, the rest of this roster is so poorly built. It's built one way. Everybody does a thing. So Mitchell's skill set looks like he only does one thing if you're not really paying attention, but there's nothing else that he could do with this group. To say that he's not a superstar is to wholly ignore the rest of the pieces around him that are going to allow him to be as successful as he can be. The Jazz aren't there yet, and I don't know if they will get there because it's the Utah Jazz. But don't, don't, don't do the, the he's not a superstar. He doesn't impact the game in more ways. Are you kidding me? You've got to be joking. At one point this postseason, he had had more points scored than minutes played. You want to say that's all he does when he's not scoring? You you can't. First of all, first of all, let me let me start here. I probably should have started with this. If you're going to tell me that all he does is score, probably, and what happens when he doesn't? How does he impact the game when he's not scoring? You probably shouldn't say that about somebody averaging 32 points, who just dropped 39 on one ankle. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Not obviously. This is an older segment. This segment didn't come anyway. But whatever. Ah. It's frustrating because again, I, I I know what the intention of the statement is. Like Shaq said, he wanted him. To, I wanted you to hear it. I wanted you to take it and run it. Whatever. Nobody cares about that. The point is, you said it, and I I I couldn't agree. I could not disagree more. Couldn't agree less. Couldn't disagree. Whatever. You're wrong. He's a superstar. You don't appreciate it because he's in Utah playing with a bunch of. Round pegs and round holes, but they, you need more than that. You need more than that. You need more, you need more versatility than that. We'll see. 
we'll see what happens going forward. But I, that's I just don't. Paul George needs his credit. Donovan Mitchell needs to get more credit. I that's just where I'm at with it. The Bucks and the Nets are going to Game Seven on Saturday. I I am I am just amazed at this series. Now I will say this: fully healthy, I think the Nets the Nets wash Milwaukee. I don't think that there's really much debate about that. But in this state, I'm kind of disappointed Milwaukee hasn't washed the Nets. Kevin Durant, who had that magnificent 49 points, 17 board, 10 assist game. Right, it was 13 assists. He had a bunch. <laughs> Kevin Durant hoped the other game. And, and then Milwaukee came out and played physical with them. And just I was talking about Bogdanovich, Joe Harris has struggled too. Three-point shooting in these playoffs has been kind of wonky. Some guys have been lights out, of, as I've wrote in that article about, uh, about the Hawks. The Sixers have gotten better every round. But you got guys like, uh, like Joe Harris who just can't seem to get it to go. Uh, I mean, Joe Harris has smoked closed layups that could have won games. Like, this series should have been over. But it's not. And so, uh, Harden will play. Kyrie Irving is supportedly still not back yet. Uh, still has miles to go, according to his coach, before he can even get there. Game 7 should be good. I don't know who's going to win. Um, it's in Milwaukee. Right? Isn't it in Milwaukee? I should double-check that before I say that out loud. Um, but, regardless... I just don't know if I if I fully trust Milwaukee in this. Now nah, I, I say that. Oh no, it's in Brooklyn. Okay, well here we go. So here we go. Guess who? Guess who? Jalen Rose of of the uh, the jump did a great or NBA countdown. Did a wonderful breakdown between two players. He compared two players and asked which one would you want? Player player A, player B, and they ended up being the same player. Chris Middleton just at home and on the road. His numbers on the road are not there. You're not beating the Nets on Saturday if you don't get the same amount of production from Chris Middleton. You're just not. So I, I, I just don't know what their plan is there, but I don't. Hey, good luck. Good luck. Sunday, you have Game 7 Atlanta and Philly, and I talked about it already. I already kind of set it up, but um, I can see both teams winning this game. I'm going to say I'm pulling for Atlanta. I don't know who's going to win because neither team has played well at home, uh, but the, on the road, if it's been hit or miss too, you can't count on role plays on the road. So who knows where, the, where that's going to go. But I am pulling for Atlanta. Just know it. I'm pulling for him. Elsewhere, you had a bunch of firings this past week or, or um, mutual partings. Terry Stotts is gone. We know about that. Um, you know about the opening down in Orlando. Uh, but you got Scott Brooks out in Washington. Don Nelson leaves the Mavericks. But also Rick Carlisle. After that story in Athletic broke and then it came out, Mark Cuban came out denying it vehemently. You now have two high-profile, very prominent figures in the Dallas Mavericks organization stepping away. Uh, you have Chris Asperzegas trying to uh, uh, talk about how he wasn't used properly. Not really demanding out, but there's there's rumors that he is frustrated. That was a part of that athletic piece. Uh, and then you have to try to put out the fire. Hey, Dirk is joining as a special advisor. Like that was the smallest bucket of water. Not to say that they don't love Dirk, but it's not enough. There's turmoil here, and that's a small band aid for Gash. We'll see. Now, um, ahead of of seeing. Suns Clippers. I want to say that I was talking about this stuff with, with CP3 before this season and how he changed his narrative well before, or I'm sorry, before this postseason went, how he changed his narrative well without, well before he had a chance to even try to play for a ring, right? 
just be how he's been a professional and helped turn around these teams the past couple of years. Just want to put that back out there. That's all. <laughs> Real quick. Uh, he is in protocols, though. So, that, listen, this could be this, this is going to be the Clippers versus the Suns without CP3 and Kawhi Leonard for some time. If they both come back at the same time, we're going to revisit that Aisha Curry tweet about it all being rigged. But we're going to put a pin on that for right now. OK, <laughs> just know that I think about it often. OK, <laughs> especially this postseason. Switching gears. <laughs> Start off our NFL section with a story that kind of slipped through the cracks here for about a month now. But the Las Vegas Raiders, for the second time in, at the time, six months, uh, they had to pull millions of dollars from reserve funds to meet payment on the, Vegas, the Raiders' one-year-old stadium. This is a problem. Now, listen, you got to understand, there's a couple of things that are playing uh, a role in this. Uh, first of all, the lack of uh, fans last year definitely hurt revenue. And also, there's nothing happening right now. Now, it's Vegas. You would think they would have some kind of events. I'm not there. I'm not sure. But I just know that the second time in less than six months that they've got to pay, uh, they're going to have to take some money out. Now, I would imagine, because we are opening back up across the country, that they're going to be uh, that they're going to be booming soon, and they'll be able to make that money up. But it is concerning, and it's also something that you got to look forward to um, or look into when you are a team like the Chicago Bears, who recently put in a bid uh, for Arlington Park. And we'll talk about that in a second, because um, something about the spaceship on the lake that makes me kind of cringe. But uh, yeah, so just uh, something that I, I saw it and was like, oh, this wasn't even really talked about that much, but it's definitely something notable uh, in that, again, they're already hurting for funds, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it has to go for a little bit longer because they have to catch up. It's not just making up for the uh, the lost revenue. You got to make up for lost revenue and earn more revenue because you got to get ahead at the same time. It's tough. Tough situation to be in. Uh, in other news, though, around the NFL, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes sharing the Madden NFL 22 cover. Uh, here's the thing about that. Who cares? Now, nah, um, <laughs> it's a joke. I, I'm a, an avid Madden player, so I definitely am kidding, but... The two goat thing or the two cover thing, two players, two cover athlete, whatever how you want to say it, I'm I'm getting stumbled up here. Such a cop out. Pick one, pick one, and honestly, I wouldn't have picked either one of them. Let's do something else. I I don't know. I, I get kind of tired of seeing the same name over and over, and I get it. Hey, that's the best player, you know, the big jaw face of the league action. I understand all of that. Doesn't mean I don't get I can't get tired of it, and I definitely do. Um, it would have been nice to have seen some other players get some shine. Put Stephon Diggs on there. Um, put some rookies on. I don't know. I just, I just don't, I don't. Tom Brady for sure cannot. We will be fine. We know who he is. Um, Patrick, but now, now it's called Goat Edition. So like, whatever. I just did. It's, it's a cop out. At, 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 at bare minimum, it's a cop out because you didn't pick one. And then at, in my estimation, it's also just like a, a, a phoned in, uh, idea. That's not that's not creative. Oh, let's put Tom Brady and Pat. What? What? Now I will say this: the graphics look improved. Um, there's a screenshot of Justin Fields standing on the field, and it's it's a very lifelike looking picture, especially when, even when you put it side by side with an actual photo of Justin Fields uh, standing in his Bears uniform. Now, what I will also add though is that if they don't change the gameplay, it won't matter. It just won't matter. It's been the same game since, what, 07? Probably longer than that, but it's just been repeat, repeat. Just new players, uh, new rosters, updated graphics, and some new uniforms, and that's about it. But, like, improve the game, gameplay. Now, that's all we're going to do for get video game stuff talking about on here. Um, Le'Veon Bell was recently in the news talking about 
uh, Andy Reid, and he went on an entire rant uh, several days, uh, kind of just breaking it up in his pieces, talking about how he never said he didn't enjoy his time there. He just, It was between him and Reid and something that Reid told him, apparently, uh, and said that he would never play for Andy Reid again. He'd rather retire. Now, mind you, he said this as a free agent, so clearly Andy Reid feels the same way. Uh, but on top of that, this is your third team, and it hasn't worked anywhere, and it's all them? Every time? Mm, eh, I, I have a hard time buying that, Le'Veon. Most people do. And on top of that, Andy Reid is a, a guy that you hardly, I don't know if I've ever heard a player say that. That they don't like playing for him. That they, they, they wouldn't play for Andy Reid again. Like, that's, the, that's you talk about a one-off. It, it, again, it just compounds with the, it doesn't make sense. So, uh, Andy Reid, in very much in an Andy Reid fashion, said that uh, he, wishes, he wishes Le'Veon the best. That's it. That's all. Let me take a jab back. Hopefully, Le'Veon finds a situation that he fi- feels is good for him and that, um, you know, talks to him the way he wants to be spoken to or whatever the case may be. I'm not sure what his issue is with Reid per se. He, he, he wouldn't go into details, despite the fact that he made several posts about it. Um, I've n- I will never understand that either. Same thing with people who post on social media like, oh, my gosh, what a terrible day. But don't tell you what happened. And then when you say in the comments, oh, man, what happened? Oh, inbox me. Why did you post on social media then? You posted for the anyway. Same thing with Le'Veon Bell. If you're not going to tell me what what he said to you, that's got you all hot under the collar. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself because you're coming out hot with accusations or charges that you would never. I would never. That sounds like he said something to you that got you heated. What What did he say? Ah, I'm not talking about it. I don't want to talk about it. The hell? We don't. You're not doing that. So that's that. That Le'Veon. Whatever. It's just. It's done. It's done. It's tired. It's old. And quite honestly, I don't know why we why we keep entertaining it. We should have known when he was when he was out of work and doing all of them rap videos and they were trash and he was getting mad and people were telling him they they didn't like it. That's how that happens, man. Not everybody's gonna like it. I was one of those people. <laughs> um, but I I I just I again Andy Reid. You don't want to play. You don't play for. You didn't really play for Andy Reid this time. But okay, all right. I am still working on the top 12 wide receivers of fantasy football preview. I didn't even say that right. Top 12 wide receiver preseason rankings uh, for fantasy football that will come out sometime in the next week. I had to get going on it. I was uh, swamped. Like I said, started the new role with, uh, with soaring down south. No excuse. We'll get it done. Um, but it, it's, it's still on the way. Not yet delivered. Um, I'll tell you one thing, though. You're going to see... Uh, um, the usual suspect, but I got a couple of names that I'm putting up there that I think people might be surprised by. And uh, when you see it, say something. See something, say something. This is going to be one that I think people are going to enjoy. So be on the lookout for that from ClockerSports.com. Um, the biggest unknown in each division, and I think that's another piece that I'm going to work on later on for Clocker Sports, not non-fantasy football, and we'll probably take this one on throughout the summer. Um, but I'll start with my Chicago Bears division, the NFC North, and the biggest unknown in each division, well, in this division, is Aaron Rodgers' situation. Uh, he reportedly is still adamant about not playing for the Packers. You've had reports that he's renewed his golf membership in Green Bay, which means absolutely nothing. Auto pay as a mother. Just saying. He could just have forgotten to cancel it. So, but then, you also just have to feel like if he's not there, then the division is so wide open. 
for the Bears and the Vikings, not the Lions. <laughs> no disrespect to, to Detroit, maybe a little, but it's the Lions and the Bears, or the Vikings and the Bears who will be competing uh, for the division if Aaron Rodgers were to go. We'll see what happens. The, the Packers are still saying that they're adamant. They're not changing him. They're not trading him. Um, as a Bears fan, I, I'm rooting for Aaron. You know, I, I think he needs to find that peace. Give him what he wants, man. He's giving you a lot of a lot of good. Give him his. Give him what he's asking. <laughs> Speaking of the Bears, and I talked about this a little bit earlier, they're bid on Arlington uh, Park, the racetrack, and trying to really put up. Uh, Pick a plot of land that is massively larger than what Soldier Field is sitting on right now. First of all, they'd own it. That's a whole other conversation in and of itself. Uh, but the the big question about it is, is it worth it? And you have a lot of people pointing out, oh, they're the Chicago Bears. They got to be in Chicago and they got to do this. And, you know, well, the Giants play in Jersey. Um, and honestly, that's all I need. I, I don't really care otherwise, because if you look at the rest of the layout, it's a nice size area. You know how much development they can do over there? They're going to put shops and restaurants and all types of high-end things that people actually like to go to. So you're complaining now, but obviously there is a lack of interest in what's there currently. And we've all had complaints about the spaceship on the lake for one reason or another, be it the actual uh, facility itself, be it the facade be it the traffic around the area, whatever the case is, everybody's had to complain about it. It's about time. I wouldn't mind it. And I have Cole Komet for one is a player who said that he would be, uh, he would look forward to, he's like, I basically, 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 wow. I could basically uh, play in my backyard is what he tweeted out. Like you gotta, yeah, come on, get with the time, get with it, get with it. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Joshy Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com. Email the address, clockersports at gmail.com. And of course, you can always follow the show handles at 30spod. That's at the number 30spod. Also, read the stuff, clockersports.com, Last Run on Pro Football. I just released an article for Last Run on Pro Football talking about the Bears uh, and how their depth chart is one of the most stable. And then they went out and they had to go and sign Mike Pinnell because they don't know what's going on with Eddie Goldman. So I wrote about that too and asked if Eddie Goldman or the Mike Pinnell signing is a sign that Eddie Goldman will not be around this season. During research for that, I found out that Danny Trevathan had said that uh, Goldman will show up. But you got to read the rest of the article to see what I say the impact is. So check that out on Last Word on Pro Football. And also, of course, check out all the great articles on Soaring Down South. Until the very next time. This is what it's all about. That's basketball.